University. This is the front page on Radio Free 102.3 KJLH. Let me hear you say, hey, get money, 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 hey. Now let's go, cause when worse come to worse, my people's come first. So if you ain't busting down, please disperse. Please disperse, please disperse. I know I never should have bought that tease the purse. But homie, that's what happens when you're yeah. in the dirt. Come on. And I guess that's what happens when you wish in reverse. And you on the east side between second and first. And you pull up on the stuff and she dresses the night. See, they're already calling 520KJLH, 520-5554. Why are they already calling? Because I stated the topic. We're going to talk about um, the heated topic of medical marijuana. Big topic for the city of Los Angeles, which until, well, which is still the home to more uh, marijuana clinics, marijuana dispensaries, I guess you could say, medical marijuana dispensaries than other, any other California city, prompting the city council to take action. And um, by a 14-0 vote, they decided to restrict... Well, they say ban all storefront medical marijuana shot shops. The reason I say restrict is because on the same day, they also confusingly said they might have some provisions to uh, keep the original 170 stores open. But as of right now, there is a ban uh, which will go into effect in September on all storefront medical marijuana shops. And some people are saying this could go all the way to the Supreme Court uh, we'll talk more about it and the ins and outs and the complications of that. Here in the studio to talk about it, we have David Welsh. He's an attorney, uh, and he his law firm focuses on assisting clients navigate California's very complicated medical marijuana laws. The firm is led by him, and they serve patients and primary caregivers, providing aggressive representation in all areas of medical marijuana. They say medical marijuana law. They say from the plant to the patient. David Welch, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the front page. You got to use these mics like a rapper. I know they look big, but you got to be all up in their face. We also have with us uh, representing the L.A. County District Attorney's Office, uh, a career prosecutor. He's been in the District Attorney's Office since 1989. He's the director the Bureau of Specialized Prosecutions. He served in several divisions, including as head deputy in the Major Narcotics Division, assistant head deputy in the Hardcore Gang Division, special assistant in the Bureau of Central Operations, and much, much more. He was uh, named Prosecutor of the Decade in 1999 by the... Uh, Association of Deputy District Attorneys and Justice for Homicide Victims. Joseph Esposito, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys, for coming in so early. I want to start, you know, something I don't normally do, but I think for this issue it would be good if you could kind of outline your basic position. Uh, and, and I don't know, uh, Mr. Esposito, if you would speak, you know, as as far as the DA's basic uh, position as well as you, your personal feelings. Uh, you know, or if you don't want to do your personal. Either way, I just want to know kind of where you are on the issue, what your position is. Sure. I, I think uh, the DA has been um, pretty straightforward. I think he has said from the beginning that Prop 215, the Compassionate Use Act, was a very well-intentioned law. Um, I think most people uh, can agree that 
a law that's designed to help the seriously ill, uh, cancer patients, AIDS patients, um, ha- clearly has some benefit. But I think that uh, what we have seen over the last uh, decade um, is that a lot of the uh, original intent of the Compassionate Use Act has gone awry, and the uh, criminal element has stepped in. Um, these dispensaries are acting very irresponsibly. I think the, the DA's position is, and again, he's very very clearly stated, is that over-the-counter sales of marijuana for profit is not included in the Compassionate Use Act. In fact, Prop 215's own ballot statement uh, was very clear, and what it presented to the voters was that you could not sell marijuana, uh, nor could you grow too much. And if you did, you'd be arrested for it. And uh, David Wells, I'm pretty sure you have a different view of the issue. Well, I do. As you know, I represent uh, qualified patients, uh, primary caregivers, and also marijuana collectives throughout Southern California. And I've got to say that our position is enhancing access to qualified patients. You know, aside from the Proposition 215, there was also the Medical Marijuana Program Act, which came through in 2004, and that act was there to enhance the access for patients for for medical marijuana, and it included, and this is where we difference on our opinions, the ability for collectives, cooperatives to operate, which meant, in my opinion, to have these storefront dispensaries that operate. Now, we would agree at this point, there are phases out there that say it must operate as a non-profit, however... I agree. I disagree with the fact that over-the-counter sales could not happen. I think it can happen in certain ways, just like a pharmacy operates. And really what my clients are looking for is reasonable regulation and the ability to operate under state law, pay their tax, and do what's necessary to provide for the patients. What is a marijuana collective? Well, a marijuana collective, and this is you know what the law tells us, there isn't a real definition in the law. However, the case law has come out to say it's a group of people that come together to associate to have marijuana available for their members. Some that- people call that a party. Some people call it a party. The only difference is that with a marijuana collective, you're having people actually put money together, put effort together to create this organization where they know there's going to be a steady source of marijuana for their medical needs. Okay, so this this is a complicated issue because the federal government says it's illegal, it's a dangerous drug, blah, blah, blah. Then we have the you know compassionate use that you guys just talked about where uh, marijuana is you know made available under state law for people who have illnesses. And then you have the city policy, right, which for whatever reason, L.A. became sort of a center, a marijuana center, 704 dispensaries. I mean, that's a lot. Um, And, you know, so there's a lot of different things going on legally. But what we're not talking about, and which I will say, by the way, incidentally, I think we should be talking about, is legalizing it across the board. That's not even on the table in this conversation, right? Either attorney. It it makes it difficult, legalization across the board, on a national level or on a state level. On a state level, we just can't do it. Um, simply because the federal government has said marijuana has no medicinal use, has no use whatsoever. It's a Schedule One drug. Um, on a on a national level, that's a whole other topic. And I Schedule think One drug meaning it's a dangerous drug, right up there with heroin and cocaine. Well, it's actually uh, Schedule One means it's worse than cocaine. Cocaine Schedule Two. Same with any kind of opiate. And the reason why is that marijuana in 1970, when the schedule was created, was deemed not to have any medicinal use. And it had a high likelihood of abuse. Whereas cocaine at the time uh, had a medicinal use. As some people remember, and I've been told, there it was used by dentists to numb 
gums. Uh, Novocaine, for instance, is new cane, which is the substitute for cocaine, what they used to use for in dentist pr- dental procedures. So marijuana is a Schedule One drug worse than cocaine. So people got addicted to going to the dentist. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. I don't think anyone has that problem now. So um, so you're saying nationally it's a different story. That could happen, but that would require a whole movement and a change in policy. And that is, I think, somewhat under discussion given the problems that we have uh, with the drug, so-called war on drugs and the violence uh, being imported and exported from Mexico. I know those, some of the Latin American countries now are saying... You know, why doesn't the U.S. just go ahead and legalize these drugs so we don't have to pay the toll in human deaths uh, on, on, the, on our side of the border? Um, but I know that's a different conversation. The only reason I bring it up is because when we hear these discussions, whether it's in the city council or what you just said, Attorney Esposito, it's like... You know, recreational use. Da-na-na-na. Like this is some terrible thing. The reality is a lot of people smoke pot. A lot of productive, everyday, not sick, regular old people smoke weed. And we run around here acting like they don't, but they do. Well, and, and yet, you know, to me that's just like a disconnect. You can go to a party and everyone's drunk, crashing up their cars. But and then and and some of those people smoke pot and some don't. But a lot of you know attorneys and politicians and basketball players. And I'm not. This is not an advertisement. That's just what happens. So are we not dealing with reality, Attorney Esposito? We? Well, you know, I think those are two different questions. And um, the the policy issues, the broader policy issues on whether uh, drugs should be legalized or not, um, I think is a, it should be for a different forum. I think when you're dealing with medical marijuana, you're talking about a very specific law that was passed by the initiative process. And mm-hmm. I think as, as prosecutors, like any other law that is passed, whether it's passed by the legislature or it's passed... Uh, through the initiative process, our obligation, the public expects us to enforce those laws as they are written. And uh, I think that when you sell to the general public that we want you to vote on taking a Schedule One drug and making it accessible, making it legal under certain circumstances for medicinal use, but you do that and uh, they vote for it, and then under this veil of legitimacy, you divert it for recreational use, I think at a certain point, I think that's what we've seen in Los Angeles, is the citizens rise up, start to complain, and say, this isn't what we voted for. Police department, prosecutors, city council, get involved and make some changes. Um, That's been cited a lot, and I think the 14 to nothing vote in council is a testament to that, the fact that the council members feel... Uh, now we're talking, we're back to the local, we're back to what you said, it's focusing on the specific law. Attorney Esposito, people feel like, well, maybe my, you know, likely voters are going to rebel against me if I support this. However, we complain a lot of, about a lot of things that don't change. I mean, those of us that live in South L.A. complain about liquor stores all day long. And they are nuisances. And people hang out there and do crimes. And they drunk and they yell at you when you walk by, but we don't. The city council's not banning liquor stores 14 to nothing. Well, I think... If you look back to 2007, um, when a 
attention first started focusing on uh, the rise of the dispensaries or the collectives or whatever you want to call them. Um, I think that the LA City Council initially didn't take this hardline position with respect to dispensaries. I think they looked at it a little bit more like you've just described, and they've said, and they said to themselves, "Okay, right now our constituents aren't complaining. It it, it appears to be legal under California law. What can and can't uh, these medical marijuana collectives do?" Um, they they took a stab at it uh, based on what they. I think they sat idle for far too long, where other jurisdictions were getting involved much quicker. I was but, surprised, to be honest with you. Right, and and as a result, you had this mass proliferation. Um, I think at one point the uh, Wall Street Journal indicated it was somewhere around November of 2009 that there were over a thousand or close to a thousand dispensaries in Los Angeles, more than there were Starbucks in the in the city of LA, um, and I think that. At a certain point in time, the irresponsibility of a lot of these dispensary operators, and I can give you plenty of examples of, of what I'm talking about, but I think that irresponsibility started to percolate its way up to uh, the general public. And, and I can tell you from personal experience, starting in 2007, the DA sent me out to neighborhood councils, to other city councils, and everywhere I spoke, it was one of the first times in my career as a prosecutor I was viewed as a bad guy. People did not want to hear the message at all that medical marijuana as it was being practiced was somehow poss- <clears throat> excuse me possibly illegal and that's really changed the pendulum has really shifted now that the the public awareness of what's going on here and f- for example you have young men and young women showing up at nightclubs with business cards passing them out to people who are drinking at midnight um, saying here's the address for the dispensary here's the doctor who's next door go in you get your first gram for free I mean that doesn't sound like medicine that that sounds like recreational use. So I, I, the more of that that hits the public, the more the public's going to complain, the more law enforcement's going to take notice, and then more, more prosecutors are going to get involved, and I think more politicians are going to get involved. Yeah. Attorney Waltz, you know, I know you have something to jump in and say, but before you do that, I mean, you, you, you um, are a supporter of these collectives or dispensaries, or some people would even call them dealers. What about this... Uh, nuisance aspect. What about the fact that, you know, some people are really just dealing under the guise of helping the ill and that they can be also be magnets for crime and be magnets for just like our liquor stores be a nuisance businesses for those communities. You know there's a great report done by the chief of police when he first got on Charlie Beck and that report said that medical marijuana dispensaries are, are just as likely or less likely than banks to be robbed. Um, the, the big concern a lot of people have is that medical marijuana dispensaries are these epicenters for crime and them alone unlike liquor stores or unlike banks will create crime and when they're gone crime will be gone. We've we got to remember that, number one, medical marijuana dispensaries are not the cause of crime. It's people that may come there or, or, or go after the dispensary because they feel that there's money or marijuana readily available. And we shouldn't hold the dispensary responsible for the criminal acts of others. That's number one. Number two, we have to look at the complaints that are ongoing. It's not so much that people are out there complaining that medical marijuana dispensaries are not fulfilling the, the true intent of a proposition um, in 2000 or 1996, the Compassionate Use Act, what they're complaining about are local nuisances, people that are leaving trash, the congestion on the streets. I talked to a, ch- a senior police officer in, out of Topanga Division. He said the main complaint we have is parking, and that's what's causing people to to create the um, call in the police station and and 
make an uproar. Go to city hall or go to, go to the city council meeting. It's well, not I mean, I read about one lady who said she was, you know, had to walk through clouds of smoke uh, to get to her home. And you know, when you talk about, I mean, it's true. You can, businesses make trash. Businesses make traffic, but. I think a community can hold a business accountable if it becomes a magnet for crime, just like we have done with these liquor stores, just like we have done with some of these hotels and motels in the hood, you know, well, I, I the agree. hourly ones, you I know which should, ones I'm talking about. I do. I think they should be held responsible. I just don't think we should detract from the fact that it's medical use, that there are people that need the marijuana, that need to go to the dispensaries. And, you know, we, they comment about people going to uh, nightclubs or places and passing out business cards. Well, that's a... I'd like to say that that's a subset of the group. There's people out there trying to do it properly. That's illegal anyway, isn't it? Seems like it should be. I, I don't know if that's legal or not. <laughs> okay. It's just not a good I mean, form. Like, let's it's go. certainly not appropriate. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you can go to a nightclub and pass out cards. Hey, get your codeine. Get your Vicodin. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I think that's a good it doesn't point. seem legal. But, anyway. but I think that's what highlights the, um, the, the fallacy in this whole uh, system is I think when David says uh, the, the underlying premise here is that uh, the sick people are getting their, their medicine, that's one, that's one way to look at it. But when and uh, every study I've seen, and clearly there are a number of them out there, but the average medical marijuana patient is between the ages of 18 to 39. That's the healthiest segment of our society. Depending um, upon how you look at it. Well, yeah. And the complaints, <laughs> Maybe they're stressed out, attorney. And, and, the, and the complaints we get um, that come directly to the DA's office are uh, diametrically really opposed to the complaints that David says he's hearing. We're hearing what you've heard, that uh, people are smoking outside. We've had schools call that... Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. I've heard it on both sides. And of course, they're going to come to you. They're not going to come to you and say, Attorney Esposito, you know, I can't get my marijuana and I'm sick. You don't go to the DA for that. And they're not going to go to him and say, you're not going to go to this advocate for these marijuana collectives and say, Attorney Welch, I really wish they would stop, you know, these many clouds of smoke. That that wasn't what I was referring to. I was referring referring to the, the complaint of I can't get parking. I can't get I parking you. because there's a business here. Um, we're, we're getting much more serious complaints. We're getting complaints from schools that dispensary operators and their staff are loitering around high schools, passing out flyers to high school students. We're getting complaints from parents that they're finding their 16, 17-year-old with a recommendation under their mattress. We're getting complaints from businesses that people are loitering behind the dispensary and they're smoking outside there, that there appear to be selling marijuana from the back of the dispensaries. And most of the cases that I've been involved with, I mean, we filed one not too long ago along with the U.S. Attorney's Office that involved what was argued as a reputable reputable dispensary, and yet when the search warrant was conducted, there were three kilos of cocaine in that dispensary in addition to the marijuana. So I think that there's enough information out there that the public is, is grabbing onto and saying, look, we didn't sign up for this. This well, is not what we expected. We have a bunch of people that want to talk to you on the phone. At 520 KJLH, 520-5554. I want to take some calls. But really quickly, while we're on this point, Attorney Esposito, you know, I we talked about, I, I talked to Attorney Welch about, you know, the nuisance and all that. The flip side of this coin, though, is it seems that the new policy is that groups of three can grow their own. And that's how they will get their medicine. And to me, you know, so what does that mean? Does that mean that now patients who 
legitimately, you know, under this ordinance? Because to me, it, to me, it, it should be legal. I know you guys think that's another show, but to me, it's a ridiculous, a ridiculous argument. But in the meantime, under the current laws, you as you rightly narrowed us down to. Does this mean that we're, U.S. prosecutors are going after AIDS patients, going after cancer patients, and the people that provide them the medicine they need? Because realistically, most people, you know, uh, you're, never mind. I'm not going to say what I was going to say because you might arrest me immediately. But most people cannot successfully grow, you know, marijuana. And, and they don't have to grow, you know, many advocates say they don't have to grow their own lettuce. Well, I, th- there's a two-part answer to your to your statement. One is that I'm not aware of um, any recent prosecutions, at least in the last five years or so, from my office or the U.S. Attorney's Office, where they're pros- where we are or they are prosecuting individual patients for using medical marijuana. It's really to the contrary. We're, we've been looking at the dispensary operators that have been distributing to pretty much everyone who walks in the door. Um, that's part one of of the answer. Part two is, I think that, um, uh, and, and I'm sure David, uh, since he represented several of the dispensaries in the lawsuit, could, could probably chime in on this as well, but I think that city councils are getting confused. We're getting um, appellate court decisions that are from different divisions within the California Court of Appeal that seem to be saying different things. And it's possible that you can, you know, some someone can cleverly reconcile different nuances within these cases to say they all line up the same way, but I think the fact that the California Supreme Court has finally accepted to hear some of these cases uh, to, to help define what the law actually is is, is uh, created some confusion um, with city councils, and they're not exactly sure what they can and can't do, so they're trying to narrowly define an ordinance that seems to comply with all the court case decisions until the Supreme Court actually comes out with some definitive answer. If I if Go I ahead, Attorney Welch. Add in, you know, as to the personal prosecutions, and I'm aware of this, and I, I talked to Joey about this earlier, there are cases where there are prosecutions of patients. I just got out of trial about three weeks ago on a case where uh, an individual was transporting his own marijuana, and the question was, was he transporting too much of his own marijuana? And we took that to trial, and, and luckily that trial was successful uh, for my client. Now, I know of a prosecution out of South L.A. where an AIDS patient, he was cultivating marijuana in his home. And he was prosecuted for cultivating marijuana because he happened to be a member of a dispensary. Now, this really brings up a point that when we start making these broad allegations against marijuana dispensaries or just the, the, the culture, as, as some people see it in general, we tend to wrap in those that are seriously ill as well. And we bring them under that umbrella and we move forward on them and, and prosecute them. And I'm forced to defend them. And so I think... We really need to take our, our allegations or our accusations um, tempered it because there's people there that are being harmed in the sense that they're being prosecuted and being forced to either take deals or go to trial, even though they're just patients cultivating marijuana on their own. And thank you. Okay, um, let's go to Ron from Reno Valley. Ron, you have the floor. Ron? Uh, yes, can you hear me? Loud and clear. What's on your mind? Okay, I would like to, well, first of all, good morning to the front page family and good morning to you again. I would morning. like to ask you a guest about a certain uh, uh, a subject that's, that our race are up in arms again, and I would like to know his opinion about it because me, okay, I am just for let's do it, let's do it because we're because we're, 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 we're tight on time here. Let's do it, Ron. Okay, I would like to ask him how do he feel about the three strikes law? Uh, okay, um. It's random, but could be seen as related, um, because, you know, one of the things that we, those of us that think 
marijuana in particular should be at least decriminalized, if not legalized, is that our jails fill up with people with these nonviolent uh, drug offenses, and then they strike them, they keep striking them in, and pretty soon they're, pretty soon we have a jail crisis. Um, you, you know, I think something that most uh, members of the general public don't realize is that in California, um, possession of an ounce or less of marijuana, you can't go to jail. If you're just in possession of an ounce or less, or you're transporting an ounce or less... Well, then why did Maitreese Richardson go to jail? She only had like a roach or something in her car. I mean, she I, I know she. they said she was acting strange, but the real... But really, one of the things they said was that she had... I mean, isn't it sort of discretionary on Look, the part of the officer what they decide to do? Not... Well, it, it depends how many circumstances you add into it. So if someone is pulled over in their vehicle and the officer thinks they're under the influence of marijuana, even if they have just a roach or they're under the influence of something else, sure, that's a different offense. But the straight possession uh, of an ounce or less... And if you haven't seen what an ounce of marijuana looks like, it's a sandwich baggy full. I mean, I mean, we're not talking about just a joint or two. It's a pretty sizable amount. You can't go to jail in California, even for a day, uh, for possession of an ounce or less. Um, and if you're selling it, that's different. Then you can. But if you're just possessing it, you can't. Right. So if you have an ounce and a bunch of small baggies, you might go to jail. Well, there's also, that's possible. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, there's also an example where I had a case where an individual was in a car. He was with another individual, and they were smoking a joint. That individual that had the joint or had the marijuana, he was prosecuted for possession for sale because he said he shared it with the guy next to him. The guy had contributed money to the marijuana he purchased. He had now, five on it. He had five on it. So it, it, he ended up being prosecuted for felonies. And so it is discretionary to a point, depending on the facts and circumstances. But I, I, I think to to say that simply by having an ounce, you're not going to be prosecuted for felonies is not always the way it is. But, but I, didn't, way, I, didn't I wouldn't try that. it. I, I didn't say that <laughs> you can't be prosecuted out. for a felony. It depends on the circumstances. But and, straight and all possession, the other, absolutely. If you're just walking with an ounce of marijuana, you're not high, you have no other violations, you don't have a headlight out, you're wearing a business suit, and you're in Century City, you probably won't go to jail. I think that's fair, whether you're in a business suit or not. You could be in jeans, too. Okay, I could be in my uh, booty cutters, as long as I'm not high at the time. I don't have booty cutters. It is 5.43 in the morning. We will take your phone calls for Attorney Joseph Esposito with the L.A. County District Attorney's Office and Attorney David Welch, who uh, represents marijuana collectives and patients. All that coming up next. It's the front page, 520-KJLH, 520-5554, Radio Free, 102.3 KJLH. Introducing a different mindset. The front page. Radio Free 102.3 JLH. got a lot of folks on the phone want to let them get their questions and comments into you while we can um, but I'm going to ask you guys uh, our callers our front page family to give me the short version Kevin from Commerce you have the mic good morning how you guys doing good morning I need the short version oh, if you would sir. okay I just like to ask the prosecutor have you ever looked at the reason why this country ever 
in the 20s, legal, uh, you know, legal, legalized uh, uh, marijuana, uh, how it was good before that, and the propaganda that was done. Got uh, it, got it. He wants to know about, and I know you've heard this question before from the look on your face. Um, you know, honestly, I'm not a historian of, uh, of uh, marijuana in the United States. I, I know what our laws are in California, um, and I know what our health and safety codes states. I'm very familiar with the Compassionate Use Act and the MMPA. I mean, it's kind of back to what you said before and what we, where we were at the beginning. That's a federal debate that needs to take place on the legalization of marijuana. I'm with you, Kevin. It should be legal. But what we're specifically talking about today is the Medical Marijuana Act as it applies in the state of California and specifically in the city. Did you want to quickly respond to what Kevin said? No, I, I, I think uh, one thing we've got to remember is that the current laws we're dealing with were created, in, uh, federal laws, that is, in 1970. I really think it's time for us to review them. It's 42 years old, these laws, and things have changed. D-Don from L.A. Thank you for your patience, D-Don. Uh, greetings. I just want to, uh, when I was in college at Howard, we did a study with an associate consultant at Howard University on the impact of marijuana international study back in the days of microfish. And an international study going back to the first records, they found that no one had died from marijuana. So I just want to put that out there because there's no medical evidence from a health perspective. The other issues being raised are all regulatory issues. Need to, the city needs to come out with some regulatory policies to address all the issues that the prosecutor was talking about. It's a question of bureaucracy, regulating it. But thank you very much. Thank you, D. Don. Any comments, uh, Attorney Esposito, Attorney Welch? No, I, I agree. I think cities do need to create regulation and, and create some kind of a way for these patients and the operators to go forward and operate under the law. Attorney Esposito, I mean, I know this has got to be tough representing the DA's office in this situation. What about this idea that patients uh, will be driven to underground to find their marijuana on the streets and, and again, be criminalized by using dealers? You know, it's a, it's a very um, uh, touchy issue. I mean, it really is. If you look at the way the Compassionate Use Act was drafted and what the voters approved, um, it doesn't really specify how a patient is supposed to come up with their marijuana the first time. I mean, so arguably going to get the plant in order to plant it, to grow it, um, there's no mechanism in it the It is a little bit of a chicken or an egg situation. It, it is. You're right. It is. It, it, it makes it difficult. But, but I think that that the overall question that needs to be asked is, is the medical marijuana industry, as we look at it today, um, what the voters envisioned? Is this what they approved when they were told that marijuana in California could be used for medicinal purposes for the seriously ill, the, 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 the extremely sick, the cancer patients, the AIDS patients? Not think, the slightly stressed out, yeah. Well, and, and I, you know, I think it's, it's gone well beyond that. When you can go into a medical clinic and have a doctor... Um, or a physician's assistant meet with you for five minutes and not even lay a glove on you and then make a recommendation, I think... What about that, Attorney Welch? Everybody has a card now. I, I don't, but um, I'll have one by the end of the show. No, I'm just saying everybody has, has a... Isn't that, is that an abuse? No, I, I don't think it's abuse. And who are we? We're, I don't believe anybody in here is a doctor. Who are we to judge what a doctor is doing? We can argue and speculate that a lot of the doctors out there are providing, I guess, fraudulent or just uh, wishy-washy recommendations. But the reality is if a doctor's provided it, I've got to hold and subscribe to the fact that that person needs it for whatever it may be. Uh, remember, the law doesn't say that it's only for cancer or AIDS. It says for whatever ailment the patient may suffer and which marijuana may provide relief. So if it's anxiety, if it's depression, if it's stress, and a doctor 
doctor feels that's responsible, I think that is fine. I think the abuse comes down to the patient, and the patient needs to take responsibility, and I think there's laws to stop that. Just- Dominic, if I can respond to that, um, I don't have to speculate as to what goes on in some of these clinics. We've actually had underco- uh, undercover operations through the medical board, through the Drug Enforcement Administration, and there are there's a whole cottage industry of doctors that's developed that do nothing more, nothing more than recommend marijuana. You don't see that for any other form of medicine. There's not a penicillin doctor out there. Well, I think there are. There, we're seeing the doctors getting busted. Some of these doctors that dispense painkillers. Right. Um, we but are they're, starting to they're see dispensing, that. But they're dispensing a lot of different kinds of painkillers. Oh, yeah. But well, it's a similar kind of thing. Though. Just because those doctors uh, are, I mean, we're going after those doctors as well. Yeah. But if you go see a physician and they don't lay a hand on you, and we have it on video that they're not laying a hand on you, and in four minutes they're saying, "What's wrong with you? I have a headache." Okay, six months recommendation for marijuana. I don't think that's what the voters envisioned when they approved the Compassionate Use Act. We're out of time. Look, to all my late rising callers, call me tomorrow for Radio Free Friday. We'll talk more about this. Um, where can we find you guys? Well, we... Yeah, you know where to find me. the district attorney's office, right? Um, and we'll put a link up uh, to the DA's offices. DA.co.la.ca.us. Yeah. Okay. So we'll put it on the website. And attorney uh, Welch? Uh, you can find me at my website, drwelchlaw.com. That's D-R-W-E-L-C-H-L-A-W.com. We'll have their Twitter handles and all that. Got to go. Time for Steve Harvey. Congratulations to Donald Clark and Tiffany Bradley. Liked us on Facebook, and they got those tickets. We got to go. As you go on your way about your day, let's take a moment for this affirmation. Let's take a deep breath in and let us release. Today, let me remember to be grateful because life is an invaluable gift. To be grateful for everything I've ever experienced, for every experience that has brought me to this day. Till next time, Radio Free Family, be well. One love. Break it down. 102.3 KJLH, Compton, Los Angeles, Long Beach, and Inglewood. 102 days of summer heat.